So welcome, 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 so welcome. No stupid, no stupid questions. Hello, everybody. This week's up, folks. It's for real. It's for real. T Leak and Jay. Like a No, no specific order. No stupid questions. So can we curse on this show? Do whatever it's we feel. Okay. Time is a question for today. No. Wow, wow, wow. All right. Stupid. So, question. No stupid questions. Jack. No stupid questions. Welcome to this episode. Of <laughs> Our first question is, who are you? No stupid questions. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It is T-Leak here. And we are assembling for a live No Stupid Questions show, continuing our election series with a new question. In case you missed it, last week we took a little little rest after the election and had a show on uh, turning 50, a birthday special both Jag and I turned 50 this year. Pretty exciting. <laughs> Big milestones. With this year has come a lot of ups and downs. It's been pretty interesting to experience it. There's some interesting times. With that, we're going to get started. I see B Light has entered the live studio. We've got a couple of other folks we've invited for this, this little bit of a roundtable discussion. We've got a lot on the table, speaking of roundtable. All right. Be light. Can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you. Welcome, right. welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So glad to be here. <laughs> and how is, how is your evening going? Ooh, it's a lot going on over here. <laughs> not, just, not just over there. It's a lot going on. Yeah, it's a lot going on in the world right now. Yes, it Okay, is. so where, where are you in the world? Just let uh, everybody know. Where in the world are you today? I am in Florida, uh, okay. which is a state that tends to be uh, the leader in a lot of bad ideas. <laughs> oh, is it? Uh, you might be, will you be sharing with us some new bad ideas this evening? <laughs> Oh my gosh, we we have no shortage of them. They come uh, fast and furiously down here. And uh... hello, caller. I think you're connected. Hello, caller. I like that. <laughs> um, okay, so we have another caller. Can you announce yourself? Hello. Hello. We got Be Light. We got me, and we have Home Team. So we're going to get started because uh, that's what he told me to do. For those just joining, you are here for uh, another election episode, a special election episode live with a, a group of callers that will have, I know, a lot to say. Very opinionated group of folks we have online, intentionally handpicked by Jack and T. Lee. No Stupid Questions show, the show uh, where you got we, you, but usually you have two smart people and one stupid question, but today you got a bunch of smart people and one stupid question, or so we think. <laughs> so the question for today, our stupid question is, are we headed for civil war? Now, I just, I'm going to read the description just to give people a little time to think, because I want to kind of get your out of the gate answer, be light, me and home team with Trump's refusal to concede 
lawsuits to invalidate the election filed and dismissed, Republicans in key states taking sides were in uncharted territory for these times. Could it be, are we headed for civil war and what can we do to head it off? And should we? <laughs> Join us for this provocative and important discussion starting and now. <laughs> so floor is open. What do you guys think? Are we headed for civil war? I think we're already in a civil war of ideas. I don't think we're physically headed for a civil okay. war yet. But I think uh, this country is uh, clearly deeply divided. You cannot rationalize with unreasonable people. And I think what we've discovered in the last four years is that there are a lot more unreasonable people mm. that want to be loud now than used to be. And so I think we're all going to have to make adjustments on how we operate in the world, social media, and in our everyday lives. Mm. So you think we are in a civil war, a civil war of ideas. We didn't define what kind of civil war because, you know, civil war may look different in these times. So, so I think that is, that is very interesting. I think um, we're definitely at the point where there are some people who have dug in similar to a previous civil war as far as um, the, their, their belief in how things should proceed. So be like me, thoughts? Well, so not only do I hope we're not in a civil war, I don't believe that we're headed to a civil war, um, mostly because I believe for a true civil war to, to jump off, both parties have to be willing to partake and fully engage. And while um, one party is posturing like they're willing to engage, I don't think they actually want none. And the other party isn't even posturing. So um, I think we're in for a bat for for a few different battles, and it will be uncomfortable, and it will be a, a fight making me wish that I didn't live here, quite frankly. But no, I don't believe that we are headed towards a true civil war. Okay. All right, be light, and we do have Jag on the line. So Jag, be yeah, there. I'm, I'm, I'm just listening. <laughs> okay. I just want to hear everybody else's opinion before I just chime in. Okay. Be light. Are we headed for civil war? Yeah, I, I tend to agree, or at least I, I'm hopeful that we are not headed to a civil war. I think that there is a strong possibility of violence, and I don't think we should be at all naive about that. I think there are people in our country, and I work at an institution that monitors that kind of stuff, so I might be a little more paranoid than others, but I do think that there are people who have been sort of working for years toward a civil war and kind of see that as a life purpose almost and almost like a you know an accomplishment they want to see in their lifetimes and and that's real. Um, I think there are people who've been you know stocking up on weapons and and ammunition and have bunkers and all kinds of things and, and we should we should be very mindful of that. I have been concerned about the safety and well-being of Black people in this country, not only because of what we see with police officers, but also because of the propensity for us to have these kinds of outbursts of violence. And I do think it's an ongoing threat that none of us should take lightly. Mm, that, that sounds really, that sounds close, close to <laughs> a civil war. And, and I think we're all hopeful uh, that that doesn't happen. I guess the, the, I think the key question is, do we, do we think that that's, 
where the direction is is taking us. Jack, chiming in. So, you know, I have to align with, who was it, me, that said she doesn't think one side is ready for that. I mean, I understand that maybe, I, I think the threat of violence, like B. Light said, is real. I think it has been real since Black folks came on this land. Uh, I think you will have people who will put on hoods and ride around when they have a clear majority and, and clear um, upper hand and do things to people that um, you know, continuing a reign of, of terror that you saw with, with some of the white supremacist groups. But I don't think that will end up being in a, a civil war type atmosphere. I just don't think we're, we're I, I don't think Americans are built for that right now. Uh, okay, say, say a little bit more about that. You don't think we're built for it. And, and me, you referred to um, the, the side that's, not, that's not, uh, not up for it. We can be specific here. So you're talking about the Democrats? <laughs> I don't think she was talking about the Democrats, right? Yeah, I'm talking oh. about the Republicans. I mean, I'm, if we yeah. want to be specific, and I'm sorry I'll be talking over people, Trump and his people ain't going to hit the streets. All they can hope for is they can, they can excite some of the very fringe group of people who are following him. And you got to realize that they are a very fringe group. Those yeah. aren't the people that got him the the votes that he got on, on the first Tuesday in November. Um, they're vocal, they're loud, they're ignorant, they make a lot of noise when they're by themselves. But it's a very fringe group of people. That's not what constitutes a civil war, in my opinion. Well, that's actually an interesting, interesting question. Because if, you know, people are, I mean, you know, I'm in, I'm in Georgia, right? My Secretary of State is getting, um, a Republican is getting death threats um, and anonymous you know, death threats, threats yeah. Of, yeah, anonymous or otherwise. I don't, I don't know that that will keep the violence <clears throat> from happening. To, to be Light's point, I think that violence is, violence is. I, I actually think violence is, and this may be a sub question. Um, there's going to be some violence. I, I think that there is a lot of emotion that's bubbling over. Like she said, I mean, there, you know, it's been well documented that the gun sales have gone up. Um, the 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 anxiety and stress is so much higher than what it would have been just because we're all stuck in the house, <laughs> you know, with the pandemic and with the 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 just the anxiety of what the pandemic means and you know, vaccine people are trying to understand if they want to take. I mean, there's just so many things going on at one time that it actually seems like it's creating sort of a perfect storm for something that can bubble over into something that is akin to that. Um, because I understand what you're saying about the fringe group, but the but a fringe group going out in the streets and shooting with the with their you know arsenals that they have now amassed is I I actually wouldn't say a civil war has to have equal amounts and equal numbers on both sides. Um, so no, they usually don't. If, so if the battle is equal, it's not waged. People uh, only wage battle when they think they have a clear advantage. Okay, art of war. All right. <laughs> so be clear. That the same people you're talking about are the same people who go around thinking that blacks are murderers and killers. They don't want to wage oh, war. Uh, okay. They will wage. They will. They will wage acts of terror when they think they have a clear advantage. 
but they okay. don't want to draw a line in the sand and distinguish just, those from America. But, but see, that's where I'm saying that it's not, that's where the war doesn't happen because I agree completely with Tanya and Be Light with the concept that there will be um, multiple, not just isolated, but differentiated, separated acts of violence. And they will be things that we are never looking back on this in 20 and 50 years proud of this particular time mm-hmm. as it happened. I mean, George Floyd was an act of terror yes, against agree. one side. But for me, the civil war part comes when the act of terror is met, with the act of violence is met with another act of violence. Mm-hmm. And then the first is actually supported by a larger body. That's when you get to sides, whether equal or not, that are actually at war. And okay. that's where I believe that the that the folks that are posturing right now, which are the Republicans, as Jack heard me say, are not going to back up the crazies. Mm. Crazies are going to go out. They're going to have an incident here or there. And they're not. And they, they will talk like they're going to back them up. But you know how you have the, the folks on the playground where the little guy spouts off and the big guy always has his back. These are little guys that are spouting off that is that do not have the big guy that has his back. Hmm. Yeah. The only, okay. the only thing I would add to that is I think the X factor here is Trump. And in my mind, I think Trump is a student of Hitler. And if you look at sort of how he's moved and how he's grown and how he's come to power, um, and even one of his ex-wives who said he used to keep these books on his um, nightstand. I kind of doubt he reads, but but I wouldn't doubt that he studies this man's <laughs> life in some way. But, you know, the X factor here to me is that Trump's ego um, cannot stand him losing without there being riots in the streets. So I believe he will do all that he can to incite violence to incite riots. I don't think the standby comment was an accident. I agree. Um, and, I, and I really believe that he he feeds on that kind of thing. And unfortunately, he is still wielding a great deal of power, even over the Republican traditionalists who are fearful about whether he will run in 2024, whether he will put his children up, or if he will just be a block or the other folks who want to run. So that's that to me is a factor we don't quite know how powerful it is yet. But as you know, Georgia, you know, recounted and the numbers came in tonight. You know, I I don't know if we've heard I haven't been online to watch if we've had tweets from him or anything yet. But I I'm I ended up on this um the Trump email list because of um I signed up for those tickets so he could have an empty auditorium. Um, so, um, so I get these emails and, and just tonight, you know, there was one that said, you know, help Trump, you know, uh, protect Georgia and, you know, they're asking for donations and, you know, so they're still like rallying people to say this election was fraudulent. It was stolen. They're stealing your democracy. They're coming for your rights. They're coming for your guns. And it's some very incendiary language. So Mm -hmm. I, I just think that's the kind of thing we don't quite know how that's going to play out and I don't think he's leaving peacefully in January either so you know that that's that's the one thing I'm just I agree with you um, me on the point of you know generally speaking I don't think 
there would be sort of the back and forth. But the other thing, too, that comes to mind is you've also seen a rise in Black gun ownership. It's the largest rise in gun ownership, and you've seen a rise in Black gun clubs. Um, and so people are fed up. Black folks are fed up, and they're like, okay, come on. Um, so there could be some fire back <laughs> this time around. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I really pray not because I think a lot of, you know, we'll see just horrific things happen with children and people who are just in crossfires and those kinds of things. But, but I, I do think he's a real factor here that you can't ignore. So be light. You actually think, you actually think Trump studies? <laughs> I don't think he so, reads, so, but I do think he so. studies. <laughs> I think he studies. I think he admi- I think he admires dictators, and I think he has a great deal of admiration for those folks who have a lot of power. And, so and I, don't, I, I give like you I that. said, I don't know if he reads, yes, but I think he, he has somehow learned about the lives of these people. Yeah, I, I give you that, but I think he's. I don't know if luck is the right word, but I think he's lucked into a pattern that that got him on the same path with Hitler. I don't think he studied Hitler. And his path has been a little different. I mean, it was it was helped by the the society that we have today and TV and he being a reality star. But I agree with you. He does he does display a lot of the patterns that that Hitler displayed when he came to power. I understand what you're saying about and I and and you said there would be some fire back this time. Let's be clear, there's always been fire back. You know, the original Black Panther Party in Lowndes County, they fired back. Um, there are several several instances where black communities got together and fired back. They don't like yeah. to tell you about that in the history books, but there's always been fired back. Yeah, and even and, um, King applied for a gun license. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't need a gun license if there's a war. So, and and people forget, um, like Dr. Dre said, and y'all forgot about Dre. Black people didn't sell their guns when they had their illegal guns. They still have those guns. So don't just because they didn't they don't have as many registered guns don't mean black people have guns. But this is not going to be a battle between this is not a race battle. This was not a case where all the black people got Biden elected and white people were all on the other side. There are plenty of white folks that are mm-hmm. Democrats. We're only 13 percent of the population. So as much as we like to and I always like to think about black folks, this is not a black versus white battle. And that's part of the problem. You're going to have numerous white people on each side. It's probably 60-40. I don't think we're made. I don't think they're made to have that battle. I don't think they're constituted that way. So I don't think we have so, to accept the war. So, so let, me, let me ask home team to just jump in here. What are you thinking with the conversation? and where well, Your initial thoughts were around the civil war of, of ideas. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one that, that believes that you can't out-coach stupid. And you can't out-scheme stupid. And I think they're just flat out a lot of stupid people who are revealing themselves on social media and at rallies and at capitals just because they're emotional and they're angry and they've had their fire stoked by, you know, a guy who likes playing on people's emotions. To the question of, are we headed for civil war? I, I don't think it's gotten that deep, and I do agree that I think there's a lot more rhetoric than a lot of people that are willing to get in the streets and do anything. But I also don't think you should overlook or underestimate opponents. And I think to be like's point, you're starting to see a rise in uh, black gun ownership legally. 
And I, I just joined a, uh, a black gun group for the first time in my life. I've always been a person who's been a gun guy. And I think all people, I think all people of color should have something to defend themselves because if there's something that does go off, there are a lot of people who are supposed to protect you who may not. And there are a lot of people who may come into your house who you might not want there and you can't ask them to leave. So I, I just think that it's a lot more rhetoric. It's a lot more people doing groupthink and getting together in groups and clusters with other people because it's safer and easier to do that. And I think when the water seed, even though there's going to be a lot more crazy to come in the next 60 days, people will still be mad. They'll still be talking a lot of nonsense on Facebook. They'll still be going to rallies. And I don't think it's going to make the world any more dangerous than it already is, but I don't think we're headed for bloodbaths in the streets. I think you always have to worry about kooks here and there, but I don't think it, it, it amounts to the rise or to the level of civil war. So, T. Leak, let me say something here, because I think I, I agree more than it might sound like I did. I remember either this morning or yesterday morning, there was actually a very prominent conservative who was saying something, I rarely agree with this person, but he was saying that yes, these people are ridiculously silly, but they're, they are pouring gasoline, and when there's gasoline, it only takes a match, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and you don't control what happens after that. And to Be Light's point, when there's the first spark, having to protect ourselves from that um, is going to be relatively difficult. I don't believe that it will go away quickly, but I also don't believe that it will fully inflame the country to the point where it in involves as many people as a civil war does. But again, I, I think that we've been in dangerous straits for a long time and a lot of people just didn't realize it. And so yeah. that's sure. where, where I'm not sure this is that much worse than it's been. I well, so, so so let me ask who who would the civil war? Uh, I mean, is this a race war? Or is this let me let me well, let me war is this? let me read this one thing by this journalist Robert Evans who was reported on Syria, Iraq, and Ukraine, and his definition or his belief uh, or both is that we are in a state of civil war whenever in more than one geographical location in the United States it becomes commonplace for multiple non-state armed groups to fight each other with deadly force. When that is an occurrence that is common in more than one location in the country, that's a civil war. So now I, I can talk about whether or not we agree with that. But in that particular instance, I guess, you know, especially Nita, what you were saying about, you know, sort of sort of agreeing with this, this concept that we've got gasoline all over the place, um, definitely in more than one geographical location. Do you guys think that that is, is likely, that scenario, call it what you will? Yeah, I, and I want to address um, Jack's point about the race, you know, like I don't think it's a sort of, as you mentioned, Jack, I don't think there's sort of a, a black-white divide, a, a clear divide, but I do think the people who will be the ones to ignite with those matches believe there is. Um, and so okay. I don't think okay. they necessarily distinguish between, you know, they're not going to say, oh, you were the 18% of the black men who voted for Trump. Um, you could try that if they pull up on you, but I don't think that's that sort of in their minds. I think it's very much 
I'll keep that in my back pocket. The mind is set for black women. Uh, right. So, so, you know, I, I, I just think, you know, that's how it's been played. And all of the dog whistles are racialized. Um, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's in the same way that it came up in Germany, right? Like all of the problems that a lot of these, and a lot of it is about, you know, it's, it's been so steeped in our history in our country because it's been the fear of poor white people getting together with people of color, right? To understand that we have a lot more in common than folks think right. and that folks like Trump are really not um, supporting them any more than he's supporting us. And so I think that's the, that's why the racial racialized dog whistling keeps happening because there's somebody who benefits from that divide. And so, you know, there's a lot of work to be done to try to bridge those gaps, to try to get people to understand. But I do think when I went to, I, I saw that um, Lloyd mentioned he went to, to get his license. I went to take a class too. And I was floored at how racial the conversation was, even with me sitting in the room. And the and I just bit my tongue because I just wanted to see how far this man was going to go. They were even selling insurance and telling you, you can be insured by Mark Furman, the man who got George Zimmerman off, and rightfully so, and went on to this whole thing to talk about how Trayvon was in the wrong. You know, like it was just, it was unbelievably racialized in the context of this man who does hundreds of trainings of people who are buying guns and getting licensed to have concealed carry licenses and so forth. So I, I, I'm just, I, I think that is a real thing in the minds of the people who would be those matches. Well, and uh, uh, I'm gonna go back to the question I asked just to see, just, and we can just do a quick poll if you want. Um, do you think that that form of civil war using that definition that I mentioned from this journalist, Robert Evans, is possible, likely gonna happen? I don't think it's likely. I I don't think that we'll get to a place where, because I do think there are a a hefty amount of, I mean, because I think in the minds of the people who would start it, they do think of this as racialized, but I think there are a good amount of white folks who who would stand with other folks. And so I don't think you would see, it wouldn't be that clear divide, I think, as, as Jag mentioned. Well, no, but aside from the divide, I mean, the definition said you have, if it becomes commonplace for multiple non-state armed groups, so groups that yeah, fight each other. Don't browbeat her. Don't browbeat her. She oh, gave me the answer. She's not likely. So don't, bro- don't browbeat her. Wait, there's a right answer? Hold on now. <laughs> that's not that, that. I'm saying that wasn't the question. <laughs> the question no, was. And, and the other. The, so, so the question is do you have that type of occurrence where there are multiple non state armed groups fighting each other? can happen in more than lo- one location in the city, in the, sorry, in the country, it, and it be commonplace. I think, I think what you can see is multiple acts of violence against black people or other people, because, you know, the Walmart in Texas was specifically for people who look Latinx. Um, so I, I think you can see, you know, that kind of armed, armed, deadly attack. I don't think it's necessarily the the likely response of the folks who are being attacked to regularly just go out and just kill white people. Like, I don't think that would be the response. 
if people were going to retaliate, I think they would be much more specific. Than well, that. and what, what's interesting, so to that point, because the, the uh, journalist earlier in the article mentions that in, you know, in the case of defensive behavior, because ultimately what I think you do have with, as Jack said, I agree, it's a fringe movement. And so I'm going to say that my, my answer is, yes, we are. And my question is, how do we head it off? And actually a bigger question, which I also ask is, should we? Because um, I will say that there is this part of me that is kind of thinking, you know, one of the issues we have in this country, one of the reasons why this, this journey began, I think, to this endpoint, wherever that lands us, is that we have had all of this simmering racism. And it has been allowed to bubble. It's, it's, it's began to boil. And the question is, is it going to boil over? And the, I guess the question that I ask is, does it need to boil over in order for, um, you know, I don't want to say, you know, cleanse by fire, um, but does it need to boil over in order for us to really start to take a hard look at this stuff? Because um, I feel like there are some people who will look at if 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 we it just kind of dies down, if you will, which I don't think it will, because I agree with you about Trump in January. So I think we got at least another couple of months of this back and forth. And and uh, anyway, so if if it it just dies down, then I feel like there's a chance, just like with Barack and and electing a black president, people said, oh, racism. A lot of people said racism's over. A lot of people got their arms, you know, because they were like, oh. Black people will take it over. Um, but at the same time, if it dies down, then people will be like, okay, everything's okay again. And it's still not. And that's 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 what frustrates me. And, and that's where I just kind of go back and forth on what needs to happen. Um, and it scares me to death. I'm not going to say that I want civil war. I'm not going to say that I, I I'm saying I'm not going to say I don't want it. <laughs> and I'm not going to say you what must, that looks like. You must have bought more guns than I think you bought. Uh, well, you got a room full of ammunition. Since since it's zero, it's definitely there's no more guns than what you thought. But since home team is very close to me, I might have have to bunker down at his. House. You wait till we see what I'm getting for Christmas. What I don't hope Santa can get that in his sleigh. I think we've been. Uh, I think we've been given racism and lack thereof a pass. People think this is a more racist country, and now look at how terrible we are. And I think what has happened is just that racism hasn't been as loud, and everybody's been asleep for the last 25, 30 years. There have been no more people moved to this country. There haven't been people who have migrated here. The same folks that are having very, very ugly instances of a lack of character, the same people who are showing that they are racist, the same people who are empowering them have always been here. So they're just talking a little bit louder now. They run, about, run off at the mouth a little bit more now. So I don't think that run off at the mouth or people showing up out in the streets. I mean, I've seen people, I won't say in militia form, but I've seen people over the last 15, 20 years, albeit not in as many, uh, not as in as many packs of people walking around North Georgia, walking around this state with guns and their open carry stuff. So it, it really, it really doesn't bother me as much. I think as it bothers a lot of people. It's just that what we're witnessing is that the very ignorant, the very passionate, and the very loud are getting the most audience right now. And I think that that doesn't equate to civil war. I also don't think 
you should ignore them and say that nothing's going to go on. You have to keep your head on a swivel. But I think we have we have given racism a pass, and this isn't something new. It's always been in this country. It's just been a little bit more quiet until one guy got elected about 12 years ago. Okay, Nee, what were you going to say before I respond to that with my hmm, comment? Well, I was going to say that whether, whether it dies down or it becomes engulfed, neither of those actually solves the problem, right? More people are dead, but we haven't figured out how to change people's minds. And just having the Civil War isn't going to change any more minds than letting it die down. Um, and so if those are my two choices, but one ends up with more people dead, including more people I love being dead, then I'm going to choose, even though I don't think that it, just letting it die down is the ultimate solution, I'd rather get racist to be afraid to be racist again and go back undercover and potentially die out because um, some of them are old rather than <laughs> let them continue to go out and walk around with big old guns on their back and um, I'm not, I don't even know if I'm allowed to curse, but they got big ass guns on their backs in the store. That doesn't make any sense to me. We have to get away from that for me to feel comfortable with my children um, being safe. And even if they don't, even if we haven't moved as far as I'd like them to, proximity does better, does a better job of changing minds than violence. I don't think you can negotiate with the racist, though. I don't think we can. I didn't say negotiate. You can't teach. I don't think we can. So, I don't think you can expect to change. Let me let me let me be a little bit more direct. Oh, you can cuss. Me, uh, you can cuss. Look <laughs> and, and I don't know if I don't, think... I don't know if as qualifies as a person. <laughs> she, nah, she held something else back. But anyway, let's. <laughs> I don't think. My opinion is you shouldn't expect to reason or a racist to change their mind. A racist is not going to change their mind. It makes no sense to be a racist in the first place. And now you have drones and generations of people who have decided, who choose to think and be that way. So I I, I, I don't, I agree with you. I would hope we would be able to outlive and out-legislate some of these, these knuckleheads. But I also think we also need to just take into account they're not going anywhere. That 72 million people just voted for a racist. And we're going to have to deal with the fact that nothing we say or nothing we try to approach, even when we're right, is going to change the mind of people whose minds are poisoned. And can I add to that? Because I think that's a really important point. And, and the other point that I, I also used to believe me that, you know, sort of the racist would die out. Um, but when you look at the stats that came out about the black youth in Georgia, and I'm sure as more numbers come out across the country, um, in terms of voting patterns, I mean, it's it's very disheartening to see that you still have 62% um, of white young people between 18 and 29 who voted for Trump. Yeah. Um, yes. So they are yes. they aren't going anywhere. Like they are here, and they're passing it on to the next generation. Yeah, and I, I have to say, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I agree with you, Need, that there is, I, 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 don't, I don't know, obviously, but I don't know if I would agree that either way, die down or flare up, um, minds will not be changed. 
Um, especially when you think about, because I think agreeing with Be Light and, and Home Team, I think there are certain minds that are not going to be changed. End of story. Um, I just wanted to also reference a, um, some comments in the in the chat. Um, you know, uh, Lloyd made a mention of racist approved the Voting Rights Act and have changed over time too. Not all of them, but many. And I, I do think that the the there is just like with. Um, with, with Floyd, I think there was a, uh, a kind of, you know, um, there, it was a wake up call for some people. Some people who had, whether it was turned a blind eye or just really were naive, um, it did wake some people up. I do think that a further escalation of that type of stuff, to view that, to see that, especially, you know, I, I do think that there is um, a way to to just by the same as um, this fringe element is, you know, emboldened and empowered. And I have to say, home team, I think they are much more emboldened than they ever have been in the past. I agree that they've always been here. They've been marching, they've been, but I feel like the level to which they believe they are supported at the level that they are supported is, is just at, at, at new heights. Um, so when you have the president of the United States say stand by, you know, stand down and stand by, that, that, is, that is a new level. And so I don't, I don't want to say how that, you know, manifests, but I do think it is a significant difference between what we've seen. And I'm not saying it wasn't there, but it, there is a difference. Um, so having said that, yeah, I don't know if, if I do believe that if something doesn't, and that's what I'm suggesting is that, is there something that needs to happen in order for us to really start to look at? And I agree with you, it doesn't solve the problem, but I think it gets people to look at the problem more people to look at the problem. I'll say it that way. And, so, and, so T, I mean, can even, I go, go ahead? I just want to throw out one point. Like the other thing too that is striking to me is like you would think after George Floyd, you'd see some major transformation. But just, I think it was yesterday, we exactly. have a young black man with 45 bullets in him um, or 35 bullets in him in Jacksonville. I mean, oh, this, yeah. Yep. No, nope. and, th and that's what I'm saying. Right. Like, <laughs> it, it seems as if we need some 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 big bomb to go off because we've had some little little you know firecrackers. But I, so I don't know. But I'm sorry. So all I'm suggesting is I don't know why the bomb is going to be different than the little things, except because the people that are choosing to ignore 250 thousand deaths are going to also choose to ignore right. all kinds of things. Right. There is a desire to ignore if they can get away with it. So if that's the case, I don't need any more death to make that. To, but to but those are not the people that I'm targeting. I don't think that the ignore 250,000 deaths people are the people that I'm talking about. It's the people that are caught in between because I feel like there's, you know, it's, 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 it, just like there are a bunch of people who were sort of, you know, they voted for Trump last time, but then they they woke up, right? And they came over. I think there is another slice that um, can be woken up. And then even within the woke up group, there's still the group that's like, uh, you know, they're still like, okay, no, that wasn't good, but we're still okay. No, we're not okay. I, I think, I, so that's, that's just- So, so T. Lee, Jack, if, if, if you're looking for, if, if you're looking for millions of people in the street to die before those people wake up, I don't think it's worth them waking up. No, I don't. I as, don't think as, that. As, I, so the well, question you is you need not. A bomb to explode, but but 
Well, let me, let me let me finish my thought. We're we're the we're not. I mean, other than the pandemic, and even that's not unprecedented because we had a pandemic in the past. We're not in unprecedented times. We have had presidents who have been open and decisive in their dislike for black people before, and they used to be backed up by all the generals in the army and everyone else in the chain of command. That is not the case today. Um, so we're not in unprecedented times. Yes, it's, I mean, Trump should never sit on his, where he sat and say the things that he said. But this is not a low for America. Uh, and we got to be clear on that. I don't know this that This is a president who doesn't. Well, you should be. I, w- I mean, what, which no, country I, 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 Oh, 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 oh Okay, hold on now. Hold on now. Well, wait, you talked about, you you said the president, you've never seen the president be open about white supremacists. We've had presidents that were open about white supremacists before, and and they were backed up by every general. Every general in the army would back them up. And that's so not the case with Trump. But, but okay, so, but I'm not saying it is not an isolated piece. It is what I'm saying is the so perfect storms have a bunch of different things that have all occurred at various times. And what happens with a perfect storm is they come together. And what I'm saying is when you have people and, and cooped asking up, you what's when you have people watching social media like they have, social media has never been like this. So so the the ability for people to fuel, so when you so that's what I'm saying to you is when you when I say unprecedented times, I'm not talking about one, two, three, four, and five. I'm talking about one plus two plus three plus four plus five. That is what I'm saying is unprecedented. So yes, all of those individually- amounts, It's also been unprecedented amounts of white people walking in the streets with Black Lives Matters posters. I mean, so they're-, they're, they're uh, But, that, they're but the, all of those are part of, but exactly, no, but I'm not saying that those are not part of, it's, that doesn't make it a positive versus a negative. There are things that are happening with white people. So I'm, I'm not even saying it's about the racial polarization. It is about polarization, period. And that is where this friction that I believe exists and the the fuel. So we're talking about gasoline. I think the fuel that's there is so, so, so much more flammable than it has been because of all of the factors, whether you include social media, whether you include, exactly, we had white abolitionists before. So I don't think it's that, it's it's that we, in this time, it's kind of (laughs) like our last show, right? It's 50 the new 50. (laughs) <laughs> it's we are in a, the people have been 50 years old before but they have never lived in this time been this way seeing these things that they see uh, be um have have access to the things that they have access to so I, I you know i'd have to sit down and make the list but i do feel like there is a bit of a perfect storm that is brewing for this and what i'm asking is not necessarily, and I'm not advocating for it. I do not want millions of people to die, and I don't know what the outcome is. So when you say to me, do I think that if millions of people die, how many of those minds will be changed? It, to me, it's not even about the minds being changed. It's about people not um, just accepting that, that when things die down, things are okay. And I guess, me, when you were talking about um, let the races go back in their holes, I I just I, I I don't know I can't I I I don't feel like we can roll it back again. Um, that's maybe another part of the storm is that we got to certain points and we were able to kind of you know let people go into their holes and and dig under. And I just I I I worry about us doing that because I think that actually is creating just even a bigger 
um, sort of storm that can come later on. So. Yeah, and I, I, I think that, no, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, I didn't mean to silence everyone. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say, I think the, um, you know, the, the danger that you talked about is one that I've always been concerned about, which is the complacency. Um, and, you know, I have, have struggled with that for lots of years. I remember on campus, that was one of my struggles. Uh, was how do you get people out of a place of being complacent and um, caring enough beyond their own personal lives to think about the bigger implications of things? I mean, not that many people pay attention to, we just, you know, I've been talking to a reporter just a couple, in the last couple of weeks and we're getting data about in Pasco County in Florida, they are now um, pre-criminalizing our children with, um, based on their grades, based on if they've ever had domestic violence in their home, based on whether anybody's incarcerated, they are putting them on a target list to be um, watched by cops. They got 450 kids on the list and they won't tell parents or children if they're on the list. Um, like this stuff is like sci-fi come alive, right? This is the minority report. And um, you know, but it's hard to get people to focus on something that feels kind of far away from them. And yes. I think that's that's really the question we need to start to try to figure out is hopefully we don't need a civil war to deal with the problem of complacency. I don't know what else there is to do about it, but that's like something I think we need to put some real brain power to is how do we get people to be engaged citizens to think about policy, to think about the implications of practices um, so that everybody is really, you know, trying to solve these problems. Um, and, and, and in fact, I think there is some common ground, even among the most radical of both sides, I think there's some common ground. Most people want the same things in their lives. Um, but I, I think that's the real, the real danger is that complacency that we get lulled into. So I completely agree with that. And I think it's a good example of where I say, I want the racist to be scared again, because 10 years ago, people thought, ooh, let me pre-criminalize kids. And they knew they'd get checked. Or people thought, let me say in Wayne County that I'm just not gonna certify 600,000 votes that are primarily black. And they would have been scared to do what we saw people stand up and say that they were going to not certify votes in Wayne County on Tuesday night. Now, they got checked and then they got supported. Yeah. And all of this is with, with without a single gunshot or blaze or so in the in the point about um, home team and the, the civil war of ideas. There's a whole bunch of people that are very, very bold right now that I want them to not be nearly as bold as they are because those aren't new people. Those people haven't just gotten elected to those positions. It's now that they think that they can get away with doing these things that I want them to be afraid to do again like they were 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And even if they're still alive and still thinking these horrible things, they're not doing the things that are going to affect our kids for generations because they are pre-criminalizing our kids. That's not okay. And 
there are more of them in power with ideas that are racist that I agree, I can't change their ideas, but I sure the hell want to stop them from doing anything with those ideas. And we have gotten to a point right now, a lot because of the president, but also because of all of his enablers that also allowed this madness that has people thinking they can get away with stuff that we cannot survive them getting away with for generations. That's the problem that we had for a hundred years that folks for 25 years fought to get us out of and be like point on complacency I believe is how we had a little bit of a decline and then thought everything was okay and they've come rearing back we have to tell them again no you're not gonna get away with this and we have to chase them back into thinking think that in your house think that at your thanksgiving table don't think that in the public square don't think that at the at the school board meetings and don't think that in the halls of congress don't don't memorialize that because that's our problem and and i actually agree with that i just don't know if you can put the rabbit back in the hat i i, I that's my question so in co combination that whether or not that can actually happen and be light's comment about complacency and how um, that I, I agree that is the nut to crack. And that's why I'm saying when, you know, because be like, you know, Jag and I have talked about in the past, the need for some, some, you know, think tanks that are really, really, really focused on practical answers to this, because I will tell you that some of the intellectual, and I will use the word bullshit that is out there, most people can't get their hands around. They can't get their head around to understand how to, you know, to act. And to your point, if it's happening so far away, it, it, it you know, it, it's like, ah, it's not really, it's not really there because it doesn't affect them directly. So the, the question that I have is how to get around that complacency and my, the, the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm questioning, do I want people to die? Hell no. Do I want a civil war? Hell no. But if I, am, I am asking that question that you asked me like, which is, and, and, and me, that same, it's that same sort of conditional scenario that is this perfect storm that I'm talking about. If the genie can't be put back in the bottle, then, um, and, and we need people to not be complacent what does that look like? And I, I don't know, especially given the gasoline that's there and is ready to be struck at it with the slightest bit of fire. I did it well, again. I hate to be negative, man. I hate to be negative, man. I'm more about what's practical. I thought the conversation about uh, how we can do some things and you know, maybe let people, or not maybe, but let people know that things aren't okay. You're just going to have to outvote them. And, you know, I, I think when we were talking about, uh, you know, getting people to stop being complacent, I think you have to just keep banging the hammer on the nail to let people know what the get is for them. A lot of people don't vote because they don't think they're going to get anything out of it. So what is the get, you know, for our people and for people in general? I mean, but I hate to be negative big, but the truth is th this is the racist country too. Yes. And we're only 10% of the population. Yeah. 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 And you can't, I, yeah. look to, you can't look to Congress and to the presidents and to uh, systems in place to always be there to protect us. I mean, we have one of the problems that I talk about all the time is, you know, there aren't a lot of black people joining the police forces. So you're always, if you don't have people joining the police, 
because of our distrust and rightfully so for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. If you don't have people joining the police force, then you're going to be policed by people who don't live in your community, who don't respect you and who don't care about you. So you're going to have to. And we don't serve on juries either. Well, voting, voting, a lot of people don't know in a lot of places they pull from the voter registration. Voter registration. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So and we so either choose not to, to or don't sure, get picked. You have to make sure we keep letting people know what the get is. The get is if your cousin gets arrested on a BS weed charge, you have a chance to help somebody else's cousin. If you're a juror in a, on a member of, as a member of a jury, if you go vote. So I think we just have to, you know, continue to bang the drum and continue well, and let me, to So that's the that's the lawyer piece of this, right? And I am now realizing you got four law degrees on this on this call, which is how many. But, <laughs> but, you you but probably have more we... than that. <laughs> Listen, that's, wait, that's, wait, that's waiting to come in. I don't know why, why they haven't pushed we, the button yet. Why lawyer. do we do that? Because <laughs> even with the voting rolls, even if everybody voted, we have more people that disproportionately won't be allowed off their jobs indefinitely if even if they did vote, so aren't available to a jury pool when they get to voir dire, why are we using that as the policy? Guess what? Because the white people knew from jump, if we make this the pool, it will always be a biased pool. So why aren't we trying to change that bias in the pool? So, well, so I mean, that gets back to, let me just, to, to your point, home team about being practical and be light about, we need to think about this stuff. So Nee, nobody talks about some of this stuff. And Jack and I talked about this, whether you talk about what's you know on the down ballot, all of that stuff that needs to be addressed and very specifically how we can go about addressing it to actually provide some redress for these laws that are, they, they automatically, they, they codified a lot of this racism. So that's the reason why it, it does last so long. So certainly when you talk about one angle, it is definitely to get rid of some of that stuff. And one of the things that I think, you know, home team, you were talking about voting. I think we all, a lot of people think, I shouldn't say we, a lot of people think when they vote, it's over. But you got to hold those same people accountable and you have to know specifically, just like you said, me, hey, listen, this is what I need you to do. I need you to figure out what to do with this damn voter roll, you know, juror selection law. I need you to do this. And when they don't do it, you need to vote for the person that is going to do it and you need to replace them. And that's one of the things that I think we have this general thing about, oh, it's a good person. And, and you know, certainly these debates are bullshit also because you don't get any answers. But nobody has defined, I know Ice, Ice Cube will tell you he has, um, but nobody has defined anything, <laughs> anything specific. <laughs> anything specific for cute my ass he's a man without an island now <laughs> he's been kicked off the island survival uh, career ice cube said he didn't vote for trump by the way <laughs> yeah a career of a lifetime right down the drain bro. <laughs> Hundred so, miles and running. Yeah, I, I, so I think, and maybe that's something that you know we can start. And I don't know, but to the to the point that I did as, which is, you know, how can we head this off? How can we, um, you know, to your to your part of to your point about complacency, be like, I think this all plays a role because complacency also comes from someone who just gets frustrated because they don't know what the hell to do. So they just are like, you know what, I'm I'm tapped out. And so if we don't give people simple, practical things that they can get their heads around and 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 actually show up for, 
then it does become this, you know, okay, yes, I'm gonna vote. Voting's easy, that's a check. But then there is so much after that that we need to be talking about, just like we're talking about now. And so that's what I would like to see is I would like to see us having those conversations so that people, that is one way that I think there is a slice of that complacent group cannot become complacent when they understand these types of things. And because a lot of people, just like Jack said before, a lot of people didn't know about some of the history and some of the things that have been done. And, you know, again, a lot of people didn't know about Tulsa and all these other things. And so when they heard about it, they were like, holy crap. But then you need to get to, to, to actually direct that energy that is built on that. Because if you don't, and you don't have something that they can grab onto concretely, then it does become this thing where it's like, oh, I'm just tired because the energy just wears you out and you have nowhere to direct it. I'm gonna say something controversial. Ooh. And I, there are lawyers on, on the call. Maybe they can attest to this. My opinion as somebody who served on jury duty multiple times is defense attorneys love to see African-Americans in the jury pool. They think that black people will be more sympathetic and more uh, willing to listen than to come in and make up their minds when there's a case that has to be decided by the jury. So defense attorneys love to see African-Americans when they have people to pull from. But if you go and there are not many people to pull from because people don't go and vote, you're really going to put our people and a lot of people who deserve fairness behind the eight ball because you don't do something that I think is really simple, which is to go vote. Well, I have another controversial statement to make that <laughs> I think, you know, here's, here's to me a, an even deeper problem, which, which one of the partners at my last law firm used to say to me all the time, he says, what you don't get, Bacardi, is that most folks just don't care. <laughs> like, like you, you walk around <laughs> raving about all this stuff and, and and the truth of it is, is everybody's just trying to live their life and they, yep. they just want the yep. best that they can get for themselves. And yep. so one of the things that, you know, that I keep kind of coming back to is, you know, even when we talk about our community, like, does that even exist anymore? I mean, when you see the, the rationale of that 18% and that 9% and you see the, the erosion of the sense of, who, they don't care about Nene's cousin on the on the um, the stand getting accused of some BS, you know. Yeah, and 50, and fifty cents that he's voting for Trump because Trump because he makes more than four hundred thousand dollars. That's all he cared about. Exactly, and so that's kind of the other question is is you know is there this cohesive community we used to think about as a real thing? Does that even exist anymore? And do we, are we, have we moved to such an individualistic, selfish place that folks just really don't care? Even if you were to explain all the stakes and all of the benefits and all of the rights and how it would, would lift up the whole, do people care? Well, what is by, and where is the black community? So, 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 by the way, there is a show on that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably <laughs> yes. All right. Have we lost our sense of community? It's in the archives in season one. Oh. Tune in. Yes. <laughs> Look for it. But anyway, Jack, what were you going to say? <laughs> I, I guess the, the um, my, my answer, I can't even remember what my answer was way back then, but, but my answer about whether or not people care, um, I mean, it depends. Obviously, people are trying to survive. Um, and most people, unfortunately, never get out of the hustle or bustle, just trying to make sure that they can survive for themselves and their family. Um, and, and, you know, there are some 
there are some social constructs that that make that worse for black people um and and you know that that harms the ability of people to think as a group but you also have people who've done well and they have decided that you know that's not my fight anymore um i i'm i'm in a good place i can't disrupt this good place that i'm in um, and to me, that is that is a disappointing factor that you see a lot in the black community. Um, if our stars rise and leave, then the community yep. has no strength. Well, I, I think, you know, and, and there's the black community and then there's also the larger community. Like, be light. I don't know if you were talking about one or both, because um, I do think that, you know, if civil war breaks out, white people are going to die. And, you know. Uh, okay, Jack, I heard you. <laughs> but but all, I'm making it as an example because I think that there is this um, sort of uh, belief that you know you that you know you're not going to be touched by you know whatever happens, and so that's the other reason why I think a lot of people just you know don't care because they don't think it affects them. You know, a lot of times we don't care when we see. Um, so if, if, you know, there's stuff happening with, you know, Mexicans or people coming over the border from South and Central America, you know, sometimes I, I've heard black people disengage, but, but the thing is, right, you got to understand that when people start eroding, when, when the rights start being eroded, then it starts to get into other people of color. So this, this, this sort of the, 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 the loss that we have, of, and, and this, that's the same of the human race, right? We're all in trouble if this doesn't get resolved. So I feel like there is a, um, I'm trying to think of the word for it, um, but that, that sense of community that you're talking about, that is, there is a larger, just like, so even with, um, with uh, global warming slash climate change, right? We, we don't, we participate with other countries. We could say, oh yes, we, you know, United States, blah, blah, blah. But we have, we have to do it because it, it affects all of us. And so I feel like we don't join together. We don't, because we don't have this sense of it. It really is very individual and not even understanding that as you take that individual stance, you are actually risking your individual status. Um, so I, I feel like there is some false equivalence there, um, where it's it's not it's not related. So anyway, so yes, I wasn't saying civil war is coming, Jack. I was using it as an example of how you <laughs> can't take. So, but but I do think that the community point is an incredibly important one, and I don't have an answer for it. But if you think about community as the people that you that you are joyous with and the people you are willing to sacrifice with, yeah. those don't actually move in concert, right? And um, and two generations ago, they did. Mm -hmm. And I think that that actually created different bonds. And it also invited people who wanted to be joyous with the Black communities or the communities in struggle, who were willing to sacrifice with them. And today, you have people that are quote unquote, willing to be on the up, but not willing to be in the sacrifice. And I actually think that that's what happened in the George Floyd situation, right? When it was, I want to, I want to support you, but I don't want to watch things bad happen to me or my community. That's when the break and the breach happened. And all of a sudden what we were at 70%, this 
of support for BLM that dropped down to 55 right before the election. Because if there is a sacrifice and if there is a loss, you have a different conversation than just the idea of, I want things to be better for that group of people. And I don't think we figured out how to, how to um, make those move in concert. And unfortunately, I feel like the side that is against, and specifically the Republicans, have found out how have figured out how to weaponize that. Yes, yes, I that yes that. And when they do, <laughs> that. it is incredibly powerful. <laughs> that. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to I think one of our other classmates about that, and it is. The, the, I will give it to the Republicans. We said, you know, I don't know how many of them study, <laughs> but they are very, very good at one being very concise with their message, making it a an and or, you know, sort of it's either this or that, and it's really not, and then making it so that 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 whatever they're supporting is definitely held up in this light where it's just like if you don't if you're not a hundred percent behind that then you know you are blah blah and and they they are genius at that and they are using it it is weaponized to create havoc conflict etc and then and, and actually to that same point it actually is is working so effectively and one of the things i will say um i think it, it came to me actually when b light was talking about something but one of the things that they have also said is that we have, you know, had a, a number of, you know, the number of black folks serving in Congress has gone up tremendously, but there has never been a focus on black issues. Most politicians are afraid to touch that. And that is part of what they have been very successful at scaring away and making so that if you do that, then that means all these other things. So to your point, weaponizing this whole thing about actually being sort of having that sort of sense of community and really standing up for the community in that way. I feel like that has been weaponized such that people are afraid to touch that, more afraid than the people that, you know, the, now the people are fine to be out with their racist viewpoints, but we're not okay to stand in in our power, support one another's black businesses. A lot of people are like, you know, I don't want to say that I'll support small business, but you know what I mean? I mean, this is, a, I think, what was it? Someone sent a message about Oprah for the first time on her favorite things list. It was black businesses. This has been an issue for a long time, but Oprah hasn't touched it until recently. So, um, not that Oprah is the gold standard, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't know that. So you just you just you just trashed all our elected officials. So I'm gonna come to some of their defenses. They do bring up those issues. They get shot down quite quickly, but they do bring up those issues. Um, I, I you know most most elected officials, especially if talking about congressmen, are emboldened by the people that elected them. So if you came from a black district, you. We'll bring up black issues. It won't go far in Congress, but but you bring them up. So I wouldn't give them all a hard time. But let me go back to something. Um, I need an example that, that was said earlier. You need well, there are plenty of examples. Um, <laughs> there, there are plenty of examples. I mean, there's a, there there have been reparation issues that have been brought up in at least committees on the congressional level. Um, they haven't gone far because you need a majority to vote for, but they've been brought up. I, I, I guess where I'm struggling a little bit is um, hum, human nature has not changed much in the last thousands, I don't know, probably since the beginning of humans. 
So community, we, you know, we glorify the, the old vision of community, but I'm not sure that that is a reality. I mean, someone sold Nat Turner out. Uh, you got the concept of the house nigga and the field nigga for a reason. People have not been as united as we like to look back and say that they've been. Um, so let's not beat ourselves up too much because I don't think we're that far of a departure from what the history of, of black folks or any people for that matter have been in this country and in this world. But we do need to do better. Um, if we're going to solve our problems, we do need to do better. So, and, you know, I'm looking to the people on this call and, and our listeners to, to come up with some ideas about how we do better. Well, we're going to have to look out for one another because getting real, we're only 13% of the population, so we're not even first or second anymore. The Hispanic population is 16% of the population and growing. So when you start talking about what politicians do, they serve people who put them in office. And now, as we're going to see our brown brothers and sisters get a little bit more involved politically, their asks and their wants are going to be heard a little bit more loudly. So... Uh, not saying that nobody's going to help us, but we're going to have to do a lot to help ourselves because we are not the largest minority in this country anymore. And we're going to have to pool our resources, our votes, and the people who are conscious on a lot of different levels together and try to keep going forward because people are not going to listen to our screams when the majority of our country is still white folks and white folks who are Democrats and Republicans not arguing for what is best for our communities. Right. And then to be honest, I'm tired of asking people to be nice to us and be fair to us. I don't, I don't expect I, you know, people I think, to be nice to me. I, I don't I expect think that's, people to be nice. I think that's crazy of us. <laughs> You're not nice to people anyway, home team. <laughs> I don't expect to be nice. I think you should give what you get. <laughs> but, but I have to disagree with Jack for a second because I do believe that it is worse now. I do believe that 18% of brothers voting for Trump is like margins matter. And to say is that there have always been some, yes, but to have more people that are um, willing to, to, to ignore the struggle of, a, of, of the many for the benefit of the few and to have more people in the complacent middle that B Light is talking about, I think is a problem. Mm-hmm. And we have, we ha- that it is, has been allowed because of expansion of opportunities. But I believe that in particular, the generation that many of us are in and the generation right behind us have not had the same level of community as the generation of our parents. And you can see it and feel it in what's happening to our children. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I wanted to address that too, because I think part of it is what existed historically is that it was forced, right? You had to be in a community because that's the only place you could live. You didn't have a choice. You couldn't go over the railroad tracks. So, so in some ways, it was a, a, you know, as soon as people figured it out, they might, other than white passing, um, people were forced to be in community. And the other thing is, is even typically when you think about the people who were considered sort of sellouts, I was thinking of a guy from Mississippi and, and some people, you know, considered that uh, the Washington and folks like that. Um, a lot of times it was strategic on their part. Like it wasn't necessarily because they just wanted to be personally successful. It was, this is a strategy that I think will work in this climate for our community. And so um, I do think we're in a much different place in terms of this me, my, I. And, and 
it is now cultural for us. Like now it's in the music, now it's in the bling, now it's in the, the game. It, it, it's, it's cultural. It's not even just a few people thinking that way. We have made it like swag, right? <laughs> so <laughs> to not give a damn. Like that's, that's cool to, you know, I'm going to get mine. And, you know, it's, it's, it's troubling. And, and that's different. That is def- it's different from when I grew up. And um, I'm not that old, so. You got to give it to Cardi B. She does at least put a put put some some stances out there. She doesn't not give a damn. So 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 first of all, let me. Um, I, I want to audit that 18 percent because I, I question whether or not that 18 percent is real. Um, but historically, black folks have voted Republican 13 uh, percent. That has been the historical norm from the beginning of the. Uh, can you can you distinguish black folks from black men? <laughs> Historically, we have not had Donald Trump. You can't use an outlier and then bring in the norms. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, if <laughs> if that's you, why you, that's why yeah, the perfect story. You, you can't look at the historical thirteen percent that has always voted for the Republican Party when you're analyzing whether or not the eighteen percent is an outlier or not. And I still think you need to audit that eighteen percent. Well, and I agree. no, well, okay. So I mean, is that what I, is that what I'm hearing being said? I think the that we don't look at the norms. Well, I think the eighteen percent. I think the eighteen percent is a specific group. Not knowing any of the data, I'm trying to find that. Would love to know what it is. But I think I, we kind of joked about Ice Cube. I think we have a a problem where certain people who attain a certain amount of financial success start thinking a different way now. And I don't know if that's all of the 18%. I don't know. So, so I will defend where I was t- talking about the, na- the the numbers just for a second. We did not believe that the 18% was going to be the number for Barack Obama because we knew we had an outlier and you don't use an outlier, the norm to set your expectations for an outlier. Okay. Donald mm-hmm. Trump is just as much an outlier as Barack Obama is. And so the fact that we got uh, that there is a higher number than the norm for a yeah. negative outlier is an issue for me. The 18% was exit polls of black men taken the exact same way that exit polls have always been taken. So if we're going to say, right, that's right. A, I don't believe but, that but, data, then you you have to throw out all norms. Okay. But but the well, data, the voting data, wait, 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 let me respond to that. The voting data on the 13% I'm talking about is not exit polls. It's actual voting data. So be careful with exit polls because black men would go out of a polling booth and lie to your face. So I'm just saying, well, let's wait a few weeks. You, you, you we already have exit polls for, for self-identity. Like the, the voting rolls are private. We don't have data from data from voting rolls ever. But you can We've you can match it. You can polls. you can match it from precincts. You can match it from precincts. Well, wait, but but also I'll, 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 I mean, maybe is, where you live is differently. But my understanding is exit poll, 95% pre- 2016 to 2020, did it not increase? Yes. Exit poll. I don't know. No, that, that's, that's <laughs> what know. they're saying, is that he gained from exit poll data. So 2016 to yeah. And I'm saying exit poll data is not reliable, just like all the data before the election said that it was going to be a landslide, and it wasn't. 
Uh, yes. Be careful and, of polling day. Well, yeah. be careful of polling day. Also, be careful of saying that, well, we can't possibly go in a civil war because that could happen too. So Trump has set up, and this is a part of the unprecedented time. Well, we could, we could go is, fight the civil war on the moon. That could happen, but I just don't think it's likely. Uh, I don't think it's as likely as here in the States. The stuff that agrees with you are good data, and the stuff that doesn't is bad data. No, and no, that no. Just All I'm saying is we need, no, I said we need to wait on the data. But Jack, I just said we needed two, to wait on the data. Those are two different things, too, because there's an incentive um, for folks not to say they didn't vote for Trump. Yes. There's no, incentive, there's no incentive for people to say they did. So that's real different. Like the polls going in, even well, white it, it people depends, want to admit that they were voting for Trump. But the, but, the other side, but the other thing, too, that I think is an interesting question is what is this divide between Black men and Black women? And one of the things that I heard a psychologist talking about that to me is also deeply interesting about this particular election is the misogyny factor and the appeal of Trump in, in much mm-hmm. the same way that Clinton had an appeal. Like I was, I was one of the few people who really did not like Clinton because um, I thought he did a lot of harm back in the, because, because, because the reason that I, it was extremely offensive that people called him a black president. And the reason they called him a black president was because he was a pimp and he played a saxophone. And that to me was really, really offensive. And so that's why, and not only that, he threw Lonnie Grenier under the bus, he signed the crack cocaine bill, he did all kinds of terrible things, and he was the person going into office who put more people on death row and killed them than any other governor had. So there are a lot of reasons I didn't like Bill, but the reason so many Black people liked him was the same kind of appeal, I think, that people were talking about with Trump, and that to me is really disconcerting, like this whole notion of the, the appeal of the misogynist um, and, and I think that's part of some of that, that too, in those numbers of black men. And that's a conversation we really need to have. Yeah, I think it's I a agree. little bit more simple. I think that black men sometimes, and talking to some guys who I don't know if they went through with it that talked about voting for Trump, I think it's just, and I don't even know if it's just black men. I think we're seeing now the numbers increase because there are some brothers that you know have done well financially. People who get to a certain level, they, they seem to they seem to think that they are somewhat more talented, that they uh, enter a stratosphere, that they are special, and they identify, and it might be a little bit of misogynistic uh, salt and pepper in that as well, uh, but they identify with Donald Trump as just a guy who's cut and dry, who says what he wants to say, who's the boss, who has to deal with people not liking them and having to move forward, and that's how people are thinking, and it's typically, the guys I've talked to are people you would think would be business owners sponsoring a, a little league team, be the guy that's, you know, singing in the choir in the church. And they're the people that are voting for Trump. Those and are the ones that I talk to. Let's not forget, I, I agree with me. I think that the data that exists, whether you believe it or not, Jack, is disturbing. So whatever it, it, it suggests, it needs to be looked into. I think that's what we would agree well, on. Yes? I mean, but, but, I, don't, I guess, don't I doubt I'm, it. The I'm bottom line is... I'm having a hard time is, even talking about data that we don't know is verified. And all I'm saying is let's wait till we get good data. Okay, but but it says let's look at whatever you're considering good data to see if this is true because regardless, it is a disturbing trend if it is true. And that is, I think, I think we okay, can all agree on that. Okay, we're talking about I no, agree but, with but, you. It's a disturbing okay, trend so if it is fine. true. I understand, but you're saying and I'm saying I don't believe it's true because you don't believe in the data. So that's that's a separate right. Issue I don't believe in, in polling data, and I think the last okay, that's I think fine. the last I, eight years that. have shown us polling data is garbage. But I'm saying that. But but one of the so things. Wh- that, uh, but wait, why do we want to believe it? We want to talk bad about black men 
but we don't want to believe it in all I the know, other instances. As a black I actually believe different. it all the time. I think the polling in 2016 <laughs> so, so, was right. The polling in 2018 was right. And that if you take a look at the margin of error, error as opposed to a specific precise number, the polling data got 51% for Joe Biden beforehand. Tell me where he got hit, where he landed. I but, think that if anything, the polling data underestimated Trump's number to, to, to be Light's point. And it's because there is an embarrassment factor and a shame about voting for a misogynistic racist that's trying to create a war. Good. But guess what? That would make that 18% higher, not lower. First thing. Okay. And second thing, you don't get to 73 so million black without men and, black and white men behave the same. Hey, okay, let's, no. we, we can't, let's not 18% of white men and 18% of what? So let's, no, let's not argue that. over it. So the good day, I think we agree that it, it would be a disconcerting trend. I understand for Jag, it's a hypothetical because he doesn't believe it. Oh, I, I, so I agree. that's fine. I agree that would so, be a disconcerting so, trend. But, but I, I, and one, all I'm saying that, is let's wait for the good data. I, I know because you don't like the existing data. So, but I wanted no, to bring up the I point. I think that data is biased. Correct, you don't like that data. I also don't like the data I, that I, I, says I, that black people aren't not, smart because they don't do well on the SATs. I think that's biased. I understand. And I think this is just as biased. You don't like the data. That is the answer. So you are you don't consider it to be good data. That is that, that's well, the same thing to me. If you don't like it, then. But what I wanted to say was, if it, the one of the issues that I have is that, because uh, just talking about this hypothetical black man in a trend, is that, and it's an issue actually across the election, is that if people, there are a lot of people who voted against the other side. And so I wanna talk about, you talk about misogyny, I do not want it to go unsaid that there are a lot of people who had an issue with Kamala. A lot of people who had an issue with Biden. I mean, some people did write-ins because they just, didn't, they didn't, they didn't wanna pick. So I, I guess I don't want that to go unseen in terms of, some of the challenges that we have both in the black community with black men and black women and much more broadly when there's a black woman on the ticket. That's all I was going to say. And I was going to, and there are plenty of black folks who had problems with Kamala too because of her history as a prosecutor right. and what no. she did specifically right. to black men. And I think, you know, that's the thing that it's interesting because I think that's the, you know, everybody I saw, you know, stop, stop dogging our sister and stop doing this. And that's when we get to the complacency point again, like black people can do no harm. And we got Clarence Thomas because the NAACP came out and supported him. So, you know, I, you know, we have to, we can't forget, you know, we can't forget how we put some people in power and then we don't hold them accountable and they have no loyalty. Um, and I don't think she's necessarily that person because I think she's generally an ambitious politician and she's sort of done what's politically expedient. Um, throughout, you know, her, her career. So I think she, she's moved and I think she's movable in terms of those issues around criminal justice reform and those things that were so problematic. Um, but at the same time, I do think it is important to, to acknowledge that and to not silence Black people who are angry about that or who say, hold up, you need to prove yourself. Um, I, and, 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 and the other side of it too is like, it's just like the Barack critique, right? Um, in some ways, you also have to understand Black people can't get to those places without those kinds of compromises, which is also very sad. So I think we have had a robust <laughs> discussion. I don't want it to end. 
but I think it should, because I'm not sure anyone's going to listen to a three-hour show. Um, <laughs> always have a part one and a part two. Uh, yeah, and well, that's that's where I was headed. You knew where I was going, Jay. Um, I think that, you know, the I think everybody agreed that it would be horrible if we went into civil war. And I think everyone agreed that we got some, we got a, some big problems that we need to take care of and how we take care of it and how we make sure that we don't have complacency and that we have a sense of community, particularly within the black community um, is, is ultra important in getting to, I think a, a positive end state. Um, so uh, is there anything anyone wants to say just and leaving so that we do leave on a positive note in terms of one of the questions that was included in the description was, what can we do to head it off? Um, and we could take that even further and say, what can we do to, to create a greater, a higher probability of a positive outcome from all of the madness that is going on right now? I think negative in, negative out. Just try to, uh, you can't control what other people do or how they associate or what groups they join. Uh, but you can uh, control what kind of energy you give them on social media, in the streets, at the mall, in a parking lot. And I would just say, you know, don't add any other negativity to a bunch of people who are going to be sore losers because they're about to lose. Right. I like the positive. Me? Yeah, I just say that I think that... um that the point on community is gonna stay with me after tonight. And um, partially because this particular time and the level of social distancing makes you question how you're getting community. Mm. But I also want to say it in the realm of what Jag and T-Leak, you guys are doing with the podcast in helping to create new avenues of community and then being able to use those the, whatever those new avenues are that we have to create either because of this particular time or because of a need that we have because the old ways weren't working to be able to, to foster some of what we know is going to be necessary, civil war or not, that's not the fix as we talked about. Mm -hmm. So what is the fix and how do we move towards it? And I think the community is a big piece of it. Love it. So subscribe. Okay, thank you. That was you. <laughs> that's right. So subscribe. <laughs> All right, be light, last words, suggestions, practical solutions. Yeah, I think part of it is is being open to the conversations and finding the commonalities. I've, I've been reading a book um, actually by a somewhat conservative person, Arthur Brooks, Love Your Enemies. And um, and what I think is he, he has a story in there about the guy Hawk Newsom from Black Lives Matter um, in New York, who was who ended up speaking at a Trump rally because he got invited up on stage by the guy who was with bikers for Trump. He's like, hold on, let's let's let the man speak. And it ended up being this moment where they recognized they had these commonalities, and they both sides came ready to fight. And so I do think that you know there has been a, a long history of a concerted effort to keep poor people from organizing together, and I do think that's where you will see a real revolution happen in this country is when people start to let go of the sort of, you know, the social construct of race that has been had a, a grip on the neck of America for so long. Um, when you get to the real issues that underlie that and talk about the, um, the economics of it and you get people to really start to see 
um, that's where you will have a revolution that will transform. Um, and, and, and I do think that our younger generation has access to information like never before, which means that people also have an awakening in, in ways that are unprecedented because, you know, when I studied critical race theory um, back in the 90s in law school, you know, nobody was, it was like a handful of crits at all. Like literally, like you would count them on your hand. And now this is sort of a national conversation um, of critical race theory where you've got people talking about the social constructs of things. Um, and so, you know, I, I do think there is movement. I do think there will be deep change at some point, but I think we've got to really focus on how do we bridge those gaps when we have the opportunity and not have this notion of contempt every time we disagree with people. Jack, you want to have the last word? Yes, I do. Um, well, I don't know about the last word, but first of all, I need to, I need to, I need to pause and say um, I love y'all. Um, you know, listening to this conversation and hearing these voices that I don't get to talk to enough. Um, it reminds me of the community that helped me be the person that I am today. Um, so I'm sitting here trying to make sure our tears don't well up in my eyes because this is. Um, did she just cut me off? She <laughs> put on applause. <laughs> I, I use the applause and sound effects. It was very applause worthy. This is a high class operation. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but it is important that we continue to challenge each other. I do think we need that black think tank. So I nominate all of y'all to be on on this black think tank because we we have a lot of work to do. Uh, I think it, it begins, it, it starts and ends with, with ourselves. I don't think we can ask other people to help us. I think we have to make sure we do everything we do to make ourselves in the best position that we can possibly be in. So we heard a lot of good, good themes tonight. Hopefully we can put some of those into action. And thanks for participating in the show. And there's a comment thanks. in the chat. Black empowerment begins with the Black community investing back into the Black community. It's just that simple. It's done in the Asian and Hispanic communities overwhelmingly. That too. No mm. stupid questions. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. You can ask any question that you want or don't ask no stupid ass questions. <laughs>